So a few weeks ago, the Lord in my personal study time uh, asked me to feed on his favor, to feed on his favor. And so today I want to talk about this because this is something that he asked me to now share with you. And so when he refers to feeding on his favor, what that means to me is that it's time to get into his word specifically to begin to look up the scriptures on his favor and to begin to meditate on those scriptures to be able to sit there and think about it. Because Joshua 1, 8 reminds us that if we will meditate in the Word of God day and night, then we will prosper, then we will be of a great success. So meditating and also listening to great faith-building messages that are out there by great heroes in the faith that have taught on this subject is vitally important as well. Because Romans 10, 17 reminds us that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So when I'm, when I'm asked by the Lord to study on a specific subject, he'll tell me, feed on whatever it is. And I will start to eat, you could say, out of the word of God, because I don't, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of the Lord. And so this is God's word for us to feed on. And so this is what he's asking us to feed on is on his favor. So for this week and even possibly next week, we're going to feed on his favor. And I'm going to share with you today and next week the things that he's been imparting to me in my personal study time. And I'm super excited because when he starts talking to me about something like favor, I know something big is about to happen. So say to your neighbor right now, just say something big is about to happen. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Psalm 102 verse 13 with me. Psalm 102 verse 13, today's title is a set time of favor, the set time of favor. Psalm 102, verse 13, it says, You will arise and have mercy on Zion. That's referring to his church, to his people. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time has come. And the Amplified, it says, You will arise and have compassion on Zion, for it is time to be gracious and show favor to her. Yes, the appointed time, the moment designated, has come. Now, God's favor is always working. We need to understand that. God's favor is always pushing back darkness on our behalf. It's always making the crooked places straight. And the more we take time to acknowledge his favor on the little things or the big things, it might be a front parking spot. It might be somebody letting you go ahead of them at the grocery store and you're in a hurry. It just happened to be the favor of God. The more you acknowledge the little things and the big things, every time you sense somebody doing something kind, every time something good happens to you, the more you acknowledge it daily, Say daily. The more you're looking for it daily, the more you're thanking God for it daily, the more you're saying, Lord, that was your favor. Thank you. Lord, that was your favor. Thank you. It might have been someone showing you kindness. Somebody did something kind for you. Somebody bought your meal. It doesn't matter what it is. But every single time something good happens to you, if you will take time to acknowledge, Lord, that was your favor. Thank you. The more you'll begin to experience more and more manifestations of his favor here on earth. Now, I want to talk about the set time of favor, though. So we make it clear the favor of God is always surrounding us like a shield, as Psalm 5 verse 12 says. Psalm 5 verse 12 reminds us that his favor surrounds us as a shield. So we need to remember that favor is always working on our behalf. But there is also a set time time of favor. And the set time of favor is extraordinary favor. It's a supernatural experience that you didn't qualify for it, but you got the job promotion. 
You didn't deserve it, but you're the one that got promoted. You're the one that you thought, I'm the last one on a totem pole that would get a pay raise, but you just got a pay raise. I'm telling you, it's like supernatural moments of favor, but there's even more. And I want to take us into the heartbeat of this message today because this is so important because a lot of people don't recognize their set time of favor. And the set time of favor is unplanned, it's unexpected, and it's unscheduled. But we can be prepared for it. And we can seize those moments of opportunities. We are about to experience stellar moments of God's favor in our life. And we need to be prepared and ready to receive those windows of God's favor on our life so we can experience the manifestation of his glory in his presence in his unprecedented of favor, divine intervention on our behalf. Now, that set time of favor, that word time generally defined in the Greek is chronos and kairos. Chronos and kairos. Chronos represents the chronological time. And that means it's calculated in seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years, and so on. So that's really what the set time, it means it represents a chronological time. Kairos, actually what that generally denotes, what that really means is it's God's divine intervention. Once again, what that means to you and me, it's going to be unplanned, it's going to be unexpected, and it's going to be unscheduled. But it's on time, and it's God's time. And when we recognize God's time of this favor this set time of favor, if we will seize that moment, we will experience what he has for us and we will reach our fullest potential in life. So turn to your neighbor and say, there's a set time of favor coming for you. Now God's favor, what that means, his divine favor means it's gonna transcend all barriers. Whether the, it, we're talking about racial, social, cultural, financial, relational, generational. It has nothing to do with how beautiful, how educated you may be, what your socioeconomic status is, what your level of financial pro uh, prominence is, what your political persuasion is. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with your ethnicity or your nationality. It doesn't disqualify. You're neither disqualified. Let me put it this way. You're never disqualified no matter what misfortune or dilemmas that you've experienced in life. His favor is something that is so way beyond that we will never deserve it based upon who we are. We only get it because of who he is. And we will receive it because of Jesus Christ. And God wants us to seize those windows of opportunity. Once again, he is always working. Favor is always pushing back darkness. Favor is always making the crooked places straight. Favor is always working on our behalf. But I'm talking about a supernatural, extraordinary set time of God's favor that comes in windows of time. And we need to be ready to receive it. It's like Esther. She was an orphan girl. She didn't deserve it. But she became Queen Esther. God has a supernatural, extraordinary, unprecedented favor that's coming your way. And he's got it coming. You just have to be ready. Now, again, this set time of favor, if you look at Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, it reminds us, to everything there is a season. There's a time for every purpose under heaven. In other words, there's a time to buy and there's a time to sell. 
And people who know and understand when to buy and when to sell based upon the leading of the Holy Spirit in their life understand they can reap a tremendous harvest as investors in the kingdom of God. They can reap a tremendous harvest when they're in sync with the Holy Spirit. And people will just say, man, you are so lucky. You just seem to know when to buy, when to sell. No, it's not luck. It's called God's grace. It's called God's favor. It's called divine intervention. That's on my life. And the more you give credit to the Lord, the more you give glory to the Lord, the better off you and me are going to be in life. We need to make sure that we're humble enough to point to heaven and say, Lord, that was your favor. You know, like I mentioned last week, every time I hear someone say, you know, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. You know, a miracle happened. We prayed and we prayed. How did that happen? Well, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And we prayed and we fasted and we fasted. And we did this and we did this and we did this. And it's like, come on, get yourself out of the equation. I understand that one plants, one waters, but God is the one that brings the increase. Who gave you the faith in the first place? Who gave you it? The Bible says God gives us a measure of his, of his faith. And what we do with that, we develop it. So he gives us potential, and what we do with that potential is a gift back to him. So how do we develop that faith? We hear the word of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So who gives us the faith? God gives us the faith. Who helps us to develop our faith? God's word helps us develop our faith. And when we start feeling discouraged in life and God sends a preacher along our life and they encourage us and we are both ready to give up and throw in the towel and all of a sudden that inspiration from heaven through that messenger and all of a sudden you're like, oh my goodness, I am back on course. Hallelujah. Lord, I am not letting go of this. I'm hanging on to it. And all of a sudden you break through into your miracles. Who sent that preacher? God sent that preacher. They're vessels of honor. They're messengers. They're called and equipped by God to bring the message. There are so many people that just don't value this enough. They keep putting everything on themselves like they're so strong. Listen, if I keep inspiring you to say, look at how big my faith is. Hey, I might inspire a few people. But that is not the point of all of this. The point of it is to put my finger to heaven and say, the one who gave me faith in the first place, his name is Jesus. The one that helped me to build my faith is Jesus and his word. And the one that encouraged me to stay on course and to keep on believing when I wanted to quit was God's preachers that he sent into our lives. So who should be given the credit? Jesus. And the more we give credit to him, every time we experience the little things, the big things, it doesn't really matter. The more we acknowledge what Jesus is doing, the more we can inspire God's people all around us. So when you get your breakthroughs, when you experience this set time of favor, don't say, well, I fasted and I fasted. Nah, I prayed and I prayed. No, 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 I don't want to listen to you. Who gave you that faith to believe in the first place? Who helped you to build Jesus? And the more we point to Jesus, the stronger we will all become. Because listen, he is the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And what he's begun in us, he will complete it. And what he's done in Amy's in my life, he is no respecter of persons. He will do just like he's done for us and even greater things yet to come that he will do in your marriages, in your families, in your relationships, in your finances. We just have to keep our our eyes on him though and he will help us he's the same God that brought us this far he's the same God that'll bring us all the way now the Lord said this to me and I thought it's kind of comical because you know God's personality he's the joy of the Lord is a strength and God is not all serious he's super funny if you ask me I love his personality you need to know the joy of the Lord you need to know the real Jesus that I'm serving I don't sit there and see Jesus all serious 
I see Jesus smiling from ear to ear. I'm telling you, like, excited about life. And you know what he said? He said, most of my people treat my favor, my set time of favor, like it's frozen pizza. I thought frozen pizza. Explain that one to me. And he he went on to say, he said, they take it out when it's convenient for them. And they think they can do that. But that's not how his set time of favor works. And that's how I'm going to kind of just, I'm going to wrap this up today with helping you to know how to prepare because that's that time of favor. When that window of opportunity closes, it closes and you'll have to wait till next time. And if you miss it, you miss it. There isn't going to be another opportunity like that under the sun. You're going to have to wait till the next opportunity opens. So the night vision, the dream the Lord gave me in regards to this this week to help me to explain this about this whole frozen pizza thing was he shared it like this. I saw in this night vision, this dream that I had upon my sleep, and it was a principal that walked into a classroom, and he said to the students, he said, I'm giving you 15 minutes. Go. Have fun. Play on the playground. Go do something exciting. I'm giving you this window of opportunity. Go in and enjoy. And a number of the students immediately put down their pens, their pencils, their paper, they just set it all aside, and they took off out the door, and they went and did exactly as the principal had told them to do. They had fun. It was a window of grace. It was a window of favor the principal was showing them. But other students, the Lord showed me in the stream, stayed there and kept doing their work. Say that. They kept doing their work. There's a lot of busy bees here. Sometimes you miss your windows of opportunity because you're too focused on what you need to do to get done with what you want to get done with. And some of those students, they kept working, and 20 minutes later, they went up to the uh, principal and said, we're done. They set down their papers. We're all done with our work now. We want to go have that 15 minutes that you were talking about. And he said to him, I apologize, but he said, that window's closed. That was 20 minutes ago. That's how God's set time of favor works is when the set time of favor works, you've got to set everything down, set it aside, and go and experience his favor when he says it's time. Not when you say it's time and you pull out that frozen pizza and say, okay, I'm ready now, Lord, to receive. That's not how the set time of God's favor works. When he says now is time, that is when you've got to buy or that's when you need to sell. But you've got to recognize those windows. And that's what he's shared with me today is to help you to recognize those windows. Now, let me give an illustration because I like to tell on myself and my mistakes because I want you to see that I'm human, I make mistakes too. So a number of years ago, and I've shared this with the congregation before, but a number of years ago, the Lord was kind of beginning to deal with me on this, that it's not based upon when I want to do things, it's based upon when he says to do things. And when we stay in sync with him, we'll always succeed in life. So I've always got this time carved out in the morning to have time with the Lord. You know, early morning, David said, I will seek the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all these other things will be added unto him. Well, the Lord began to show me that's not always how love works. Now, let me put it this way. What I mean by that is at my convenience. It's planned. It's on my itinerary. I'm going to have time with Jesus at such and such time. That's not how love always works. Now, it's good to have a date. Say date. All you wives are going to so much appreciate and love me after today's service. It's important to have a date on your calendar, at least weekly, if not 
you know, as often as you can, daily even. You should have at least one hour a day where you're communicating and having relationship communication skills with each other, with your children and so on. You should have a date daily. So I have a date daily with Jesus in the morning. I do. But I've also learned that sometimes Jesus likes to have time with me when I'm not expecting it and when it's not planned and when it's not on my schedule. And I need to be sensitive to that. And so one time he showed me that I wasn't being sensitive at all about love and what he wanted to do in my life. And so what he did is he came at midnight into my home. And I know he's always present, but he supernaturally came into my home in a very tangible way. What he did is he turned my light on, literally a lamp in our bedroom, and he knocked on the outside window. Now, I'm in a two-story building, a house, a townhome, vaulted ceilings. It's super cold out, winter night, and I hear a knocking on her window, which would have been really hard to get way up that high unless someone had a, an extremely high ladder. And I thought, who in the world at 12 o'clock midnight is knocking on my window, and who turned the lamp on in my bedroom? And immediately, for whatever reasons, I thought Amy got up. She went to the bathroom. She forgot to turn the light off. But I get up, I look out the window, and there's nobody there. And I thought, what? what is going on? And all of a sudden, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say these words. It's me. I want to have time with you. And this is, I'm not joking. This is my response to Jesus. I said, Jesus, it's 12 o'clock midnight. I'm talking to the creator of the universe. <laughs> I'm telling him, it's midnight. And I have plans with you to get up with you in the morning. And I literally went back to bed. I turned the lamp off on the other side of the room, and I went and fell asleep. 12.30 in the morning. Say 12.30. 12.30. I get this knocking on the window again. I wake up, and the lamp is turned back on. And I'm like, who in the world is knocking on her window this high up? So I get up, and I look out the window. There's nobody there. And I'm looking at the lamp thinking, Amy must have did that. She had to gotten up to go in the bathroom, and she forgot to turn the lamp off. And all of a sudden, once again, I hear the Holy Spirit say, no, it's me. I want to have time with you. And I said, Jesus, it's 1230 in the morning. I have plans to get up with you in the morning at such and such time. I'll get up, and I'll have time with you then. And I turn the lamp off and I go back to bed. Now, just two weeks prior to this, I had just prayed a prayer. And I said, Lord, I want to learn how to love like the apostle John loved. Because he was known as the apostle of love. I mean, he had no shame. I mean, he's hanging out with all the guys. And he's sitting there leaning up against Jesus' chest. He, had, he didn't care what anybody thought of his relationship with Jesus. That's what I want. I don't care what anybody thinks about my relationship and how close I am with Jesus. I'm not ashamed of it. And so this is what I'm trying to get in my heart. I'm like, God, I want to love like the Apostle John loves. I want to be known like the, as the Apostle of love in our generation. After all, my name comes from John. That's a root name. That's where John comes from. And my name also means a gift to God, a gift from God. And I wasn't being a very big gift that night. And I had just prayed that prayer. Help me to love like the Apostle John loves. I go back to sleep. I turn the lamp off. I tell the creator of the universe, I'll have time with you in the morning. I'm telling the creator of the universe this. I mean, none of you guys have ever done anything like this, I'm sure. But I mean, all these beautiful halos on your head. But I'm telling, I'm telling no to Jesus. I'll have time with you when I want to have time with you. Like the frozen pizza analogy. So I go back to sleep. Half hour later, it's 1 a.m. And I literally hear this knocking on the window. The lamp is back on. And all of a sudden, a very tangible presence of the Holy Spirit fills that room. My hair is sticking up everywhere. And I feel the glory of God's presence so strong in the bedroom. And literally, Amy shoots up in bed. Her eyes are closed, but you could 
tell the Holy Spirit was all over her eyelids were flickering. I mean, it was like electricity going through her. And I'm kind of looking at her like, whoa, I'm married to this woman. And this is like something tangible, like very, this is not like the donkey, you know, and Balaam talking. This is all of a sudden the power of God comes all over Amy. And she says these words out of the voice of the Holy Spirit. Even the apostle John would have gone out into 60 degree below zero weather to wake himself up in order to have time with me. And she laid back down. I asked her the next morning, I said, do you remember anything like that? No. I thought, dear Lord, I'm married to this woman who's a saint. And I thought to myself, God, I am so apologetic. And I remember from that day on, I thought, Lord, when you want to wake me up, you wake me up. I don't care when you want to have time with me, when you want to have that set time of favor, when you want to have a relationship with me, I'm great with that. You wake me up whenever you want. And you know what? He's, he's done that. He doesn't do it all the time, but sometimes he'll wake me up in the middle of the night and I'll just have this amazing fellowship, this relationship with him. I'll go back to bed and I'll wake up more energized than I have ever been in my life. Or maybe I end up having the rest of the night with him and I've got a day of work ahead of me, but somewhere along the line, he either gives me a nap or he just gives me the supernatural grace that I don't even need the rest. You know, if Moses can be up in the glory of God's presence for 40 days and 40 nights and not eat or drink anything, I'm telling you, God can give you everything. And when you're in his presence and you're enjoying that set time of favor, I'm telling you, one word from God can change your life forever. He can give you so much wisdom. One day with him is like a thousand years, and yet one thousand years is like one day to God. Do you know our time span here on earth, based upon that scripture, is about 2.4 hours here on earth in God's eyes? That's how much time we exist, basically, in God's eyes. Even if you lived 120 years, it's like 2.4 hours in his eyes. That's a short window that we have here on earth. We might as well really build our relationship with him because for the rest of eternity, oh, wow, we get to be with the presence of God himself in the angels of heaven. We get to see Jesus face to face. I'm telling you, it's the best days are still ahead of us. But we need to recognize when that set time of favor comes. Amen? In Song of Solomon, it says, in chapter 8, verse 4, it says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, not to awaken love until the time is right. Say the time is right. Now, that doesn't mean it's time is right in your eyes. You have to know when it's right in his eyes. You know, when Amy and I met, neither one of us were looking for marriage. That's the best time to find someone when they're not crazy, like acting desperate. And those kind of people scare people away from them. When you are confident and secure and that you're not looking for marriage, it's typically when marriage is going to find you. So get ready. Even if you're single and you're not ready to mingle, I'm telling you, when God says, it's time, it's time. So when Amy and I met, our first date, we both looked at each other and said, this is just a friendship date, Okay. One year later or less, we were married. I thought, dear Lord, you're awesome. But what happened is we recognized this was the set time of God's favor, and we recognized we were the right ones for each other because God ordained that time. We weren't looking 
for the right spouse. We were focused on trying to become the right spouse, to be the one that God needs us to be. I didn't think I was anywhere near being ready for marriage. I don't think I still am. I have a long ways to grow yet. I, I don't feel like I've even got my bachelor's degree in marriage yet. But listen, I'm growing and I'm having fun. But when God says it's time, when it's due season, it's due season. Amen? Now, I want to say something, though, because I didn't say to the Lord, Lord, when I finish college, then we'll get married. Or, God, when I get the right job, or when I get all the right ducks in the row, then we'll get married. I didn't do that to the Lord. He said, hurry up. And we hurried up. We actually had someone rebuke us. Because we, were, you know, we weren't even thinking about marriage. We were just enjoying just being friends with each other. And we knew we were the right ones for each other. And all of a sudden, the Lord rebukes us. And he says, listen, tonight I'm going to give you a date. And you need to talk about it. And how it's going to be confirmed is that you will both know the right timing, the right date. You'll get the exact same day, the right date, when you're supposed to get married. After the meeting, I said, Amy, I've already got it in my heart. And she said, I do too. So I said, you want to go first? And I think you did go first. And it happened to be Mother's Day of 1998, and I said the same thing. I said, that's what we wanted to. So May 10th of 1998, in honor of our mothers, who we so appreciate because they prayed so much for us, we wanted to honor them on Mother's Day. It was opening fishing, too. <laughs> and, you know, I wondered, are we going to have any of these fishermen that are part of our family come? And you know what? They all came. We were so surprised, opening fishing. But they wanted to honor their wives, I'm sure, it's because they're moms. And, you know, women don't want to miss those weddings. So I'm telling you, what I'm saying, though, with this is that we weren't desperate because I'm not asking you to force anything to happen in life. That's the worst thing you can do. I'm not, what I'm trying to say is you've got to know that window of opportunity and you've got to seize that moment of opportunity. You can't say, Lord, when I'm good and ready, then I'll, then I'll do it. That's not how those windows of opportunity work. Those windows of favor, when they open, you've got to seize that moment. You've got to set aside your pride and say, Lord, I humble myself before you. If you say that was the time, then that was the time. And so Amy and I did everything we could. We went through premarital classes. We honored our pastor. We did everything he did that he told us to do. He even told us to move 200 miles away from our family. And we laughed at him, and he said, no, really? No, what? 200 miles away from our family? And he said, you need to learn how to have a relationship. You got to leave and cleave. You got to get this, understand this. And he said, if you do this, he said, you'll love each other better. And you know what? That was tough at first because when Amy had tears in her eyes on Christmas Eve and we were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma, more than 200 miles away, and then we went to Fort Worth, Texas after that, and she had tears in her eyes, and I probably did too, and I'm kind of wishing my mommy was there, and she was wishing her mommy was there. I'm telling you, it wasn't easy, but we clung to each other. We got deeper in our marriage and our relationship with each other. And he was right. And he said, Sean, one day, I know you're crazy in love with her, but one day you're going to love her deeper than what you love her now. And I thought... Oh, I can't imagine love goes deeper than this. But you know what? He was right. 21 plus years later, I'm more in love with this woman than I've ever been in my life. And, you know, we got our marriage in place. And as a result, we got our marriage foundation in place. And he allowed us to come back home. Hallelujah. So we get to be with grandma and grandpa. And the kids get to grow up around their grandparents. And, wow, we're enjoying the pleasures of seeing them grow up around family. And we're getting to experience family. And it's a joy. It's a joy. But we had to build that relationship, our marriage, with each other. We had to get it solid. We couldn't have mom and dad be come before us, our siblings come before us, our friends come before us. We had to learn how to put each other before everyone else except Jesus. Amen? So don't force anything. God will always confirm the right timing. 
Listen, this is so important because this is, this is vitally important. I don't have a lot of time left now. There's the Ishmael and there's the Isaacs in life. If you force things happen, you'll get an Ishmael in life. If you wait on God's timing, you'll get the Isaacs in life. And if you need to go back in history and read about that, that's in the book of Genesis with Abraham and Sarah. They forced it at first and they got an Ishmael. But listen, the Isaac came in God's due season. Say due season. We've got to recognize those opportunities. There's counterfeits. Before Amy and I met, there was a counterfeit. Almost everything that we'd want in marriage. But both of us had to say, it's not exactly right. It's not 100% the desire of our heart. It was more like a brother and sister to us. And we didn't want a brother-sister relationship going into marriage. They were good people. Good people. Say good people. But they weren't great in God's eyes. They weren't great for somebody else, but not great for us. It would have been a brother-sibling relationship, brother-sister relationship with both of us. And we had to be willing to let go of that. Because a good man or a good woman is not going to infringe on a relationship that somebody else has. Did you know that? If they do, if they're willing to sin with you right now, and they're in a relationship with somebody else right now, if they're willing to sin with you right now, they'll sin against you one day. I reassure you of that. Don't fall for the Ishmaels and the counterfeits in life. It's not worth it. Compromise will always lead to moodiness. And I'm telling you, compromise will always fall short of the glory of God and God's best on your life. You need to be willing to wait for those due seasons, that set time of favor. So what am I saying? Set your goals. It's important to set. Prepare now, but don't be caught up in trying to find the right person. Become the right person in life. Whether you're single or you're married now, just keep working on becoming the right person. I'm telling you, your set time of favor is about to come. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. This message is not just for relationships. This message is for investors. This message is for people who are in business. Your set time of favor is about to come. Now, the rich young ruler missed his opportunity, his window of opportunity, didn't he? When Jesus gave him the opportunity, he said, now go and sell all that you have and give to the poor and come follow me. He turned away sorrowful because he couldn't let go of his past to follow his future. That window of favor, that set time of favor came and he missed it. Now, theologians say today, that years later, it's not in the canon, it's not in the Bible, but that rich young ruler did eventually come to his senses and he did come follow Christ years later. I can't prove that in the Bible, so I'm not gonna emphasize that. There is a time where people can still repent. Thank God for that. But they will miss their windows of opportunity if they don't recognize them. The 10 virgins, five of them were ready. Say five. But the other five were not, Jesus said. Five were ready, five were not. Which one are you going to be? Which one are you? Now, there's three ways the Lord told me to prepare for his set time of favor. Are you ready? If you're taking notes, if you, might, if you don't have your iPad, your iPhone, or whatever it is, you may need to listen to this message over and over. But there are three ways that he shared with me to prepare for your set time of favor because it's about to come. Don't miss this opportunity. Number one, make room. Make room. In other words, be willing to let go of the old. Maybe it's like cleaning out your closets, okay? Some of you, some of you ladies are cringing right now because you know the Holy Spirit's been talking to you about cleaning out your closets. You know what I'm talking about? In order to make room for the new, you have to let go of the old. If you haven't worn that thing for three years, get rid of it. 
Some of you, okay, let me go a little bit further back. If you haven't wore that in 12 years, get rid of it. <laughs> let go of it. It's unlikely you're going to wear it again. Make room. Make room. Organize. Prepare. Sometimes you just need to move things around too. Move some furniture around. Get your creativity flowing again. But make room. Make room because the new is coming, but you need to be willing to let go of the old. Like Amy and I, we had to let go of those relationships before we met each other. We had to let go of that to make room for the new. And thank God we were willing to do that. In fact, the Holy Spirit even convicted me one time. And he said, if you don't let go of these other relationships, and there are friendships that I had in my life, and they're like bar hoppers and nightclubbers, and they're just, you know, some of them just weren't good influences at all. Okay? And he said these words. He said to me, he said, Sean, if you don't let go of these other relationships, you're going to lose Amy. I wasn't even a believer. I walked into the house, and I heard the voice of the Lord say this. It wasn't audible, but I walked in. I was the only one home, and I heard these words. Sean, if you don't let go of these other relationships, you're going to lose Amy. And I didn't even know the Lord. And I thought, I don't know who just said that, but that sounds like wisdom to me, and I let go of those other relationships real quick because I didn't want to lose Amy. So I got the girl too. Hallelujah. And two weeks later, I got saved. Why? Because I was willing to make room for what the Holy Spirit was wanting to do in my life. Thank God for wisdom. Thank God that we can heed his voice and recognize it, even though it doesn't make any sense. But I knew I needed to let go because night and day just don't go together. Let me say that again. Night and day just don't go together. They're separate. And when you've got darkness in your life and you're trying to hang on to this darkness and still hang on to the light, one's going to rule over the other. And we've got to make a decision. What do you want? Do you want God's best or do you want the worst in life? Because that's what it's going to lead to eventually. You've got to be willing to let go and make room. Amen? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, it reminds us, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then it goes on to say, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith, okay? So really, it's not even about sin sometimes. Sometimes it's just stuff that you're hanging on to. You've got to be willing to let go of the old. You've got to make room for the new, what the Lord wants to do in your life. And listen, if it's less than God's best, Psalm 37 verse 4 reminds us, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. If she or he is like eight out of 10 things that you wanted on your list and you're thinking, she's just almost don't. <laughs> He's almost, don't. Listen, God doesn't do almost. He does exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. He's a good God. He gives us the desires of our heart. Make sure you're that, Ephesians 3.20 as well, amen? Make sure you're that right spouse. When I married Amy, I didn't even care if she cooked or not. I did it. But I'm going to seminary, and he's like, Do your, does your wife cook? Because I grew up, I, I didn't really have a lot of cooking going on. I, I was, really wasn't the best eater. And uh, my mom went on um, strike. I'm going to be totally honest. My mom went on strike, and it was because of Renee, my sister, who is always complaining about her food. Okay, it was me, I think. So anyway, ah, this is gross, mom. She went on strike on us. Can you believe that? She would make meals occasionally from time to time, but... I had to fend for myself because I was so ungrateful. Can you imagine me being ungrateful? <sighs> My sister taught me so wrongly. <laughs> Isn't it good coming back home? 
got to be, your attitude of gratitude determines your altitude. So when I married Amy, she was an amazing, phenomenal cook and baker. And all the college students are like, does your wife cook? I'm like, does she cook? Their mouths dropped open like, oh, I'd love to marry a woman like that someday. But you know what? Sometimes we need to become that too. We've got to be that for our spouse one day. So make sure you keep improving and getting better and better in life. Number two, are you ready? So it's, it's time to purge. It's time to prune. It's time to prepare. And number two, so one is make room. Number two, make ready. Make ready. Now, if you've got somebody, a special guest coming over to your house, what do you do? You clean it up. You make it ready. You got a special guest, maybe a VIP or a president of your company who's going to be riding with you in your car. What do you do? You make it ready. You clean it up. You vacuum it out. You show honor to whom honor is due. You clean it up. You clean your house up. You make ready. If God is telling you to write a book, write a book. Be ready like the five virgins were. If he's talking to you about your health, get healthy. If he's talking about your weight, lose weight, gain weight. Whatever he's telling you to do, make ready. Some of you are thinking, oh, good, maybe I can gain some weight. This is the message that I hear, needed to hear all day long. <laughs> if he's saying further your education, further your education, you've got to make ready. You've got to make room, and you've got to make ready. You've got to get yourself ready. No one has ever had a great testimony saying, you know, the Lord told me 10 years ago to buy that piece of land 10 years ago, and I didn't do it, and now it's worth 10 times more than what it is Nobody's ever had a great testimony like that. Everybody just kind of looks at you, well, why didn't you obey the Lord, you know? You've got to make yourself ready. You've got to prepare. So make room, make ready. One of the things the Lord always talks to us about is he talks to us about when he's talking about making ready, he talks to us about meditating the scriptures. So recently he got on us again. He said, Sean and Amy, he said, you've got your faith so established in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. He said, I need you to be using that more frequently for things. Monetary things, houses, vehicles, things of that nature. I need your faith on these things. So when you start meditating, listen, and again, your, your faith works for salvations, for people that come to Christ. It could be your children. But do you have scriptures that you're meditating? Because that's one of the key ways that you are to make ready. Get yourself ready. Is because light quenches darkness. And the more light you allow into your life, the more you're going to see clarity and direction. Because meditation produces revelation, and revelation produces manifestation. So make ready by meditating. Do what he's telling you to do right now. It doesn't make sense. I know sometimes it just doesn't make sense. But when you make ready, things, good things are coming your way. And you will seize that opportunity. Last but not least, he said, stay ready. Stay ready. Stay ready. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Don't grow weary while doing good. You will reap if you faint not. So in other words, keep doing good, maintaining a steady hand. Diligence is going to pay off. So keep doing good. Don't grow weary. Now, here's the thing that the Lord has talked to me about, that if I'm starting to grow weary, so I think it was about three, four, five months ago or so, the Lord gave me a dream, and he showed me where I was at. And I like to be real transparent with you because I want you to know, even pastors have to stay ready. And I was leading someone to Christ. And in the dream, I was starting to get weary, like tired, wanted to faint, and right then and there, someone who's been a mentor, someone who has taught Amy and I so much for years, and his name is Brother Kenneth Copeland, came up right behind me and put his hands on my shoulders. And when he did, he stabilized me. And I was able to lead that person to the Lord. 
and go on. And when I woke up the next morning, I remembered I have not listened to one of Brother Copeland's message in a long time. And those are the messages that helped us learn how to get through college debt-free. Those are the messages that we used to listen to on a regular daily basis that helped us to get every victory under the sun. It's his boldness. It's his faith. And I thought, we haven't been listening to his messages like we used to occasionally, but not daily like we used to. So I went back to saying, dear Lord, I'll listen to these other speakers too. And I love growing and listening to other, you know, reading books and all that stuff. I believe in growth. But there are certain people that God sends into your life that help stabilize you. And they basically just come up behind you and put their hands on your shoulder. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they're like, you're really strong again. You've got to know who those people are in your life who stabilize you and make sure you're listening to them over and over and heeding their voice because you'll get stronger and you'll stay steady in your life. So make room, make ready, and stay steady because you will reap if you faint not. Ruth is a great story, isn't it, when you think about Ruth. Ruth had an opportunity to stay home and to be with her family, but she followed Naomi. What was she doing? She was letting go of the old. And when Naomi said, listen, Ruth, I really think you need to do something. There's this man named Boaz. And listen, I need you to understand something. I need you to make ready. I need you to wear this kind of outfit. I need you to do this and I need you. In other words, she heeded his vo her voice and said, okay, I'll do it. And she stayed steady, didn't she? She kept doing good for her mother-in-law. She kept showing her honor. So she made room for the new she continued to make ready. She listened to that voice of wisdom in her life. And as a result, she stayed steady. And as she got, stayed steady, she went steady with a new man named Boaz who became the person that owned all the land in her life that she once worked for. She became the owner of those fields with him because he married her. It's a great story. But we need to understand we've got to make room in our life for the new We've got to be ready, make ready, and we've got to stay steady. And if you do, I decree and I declare over you the favor of God will continue to surround you like a shield and that you will go places you never dreamed possible. And as you continue that this season is about to open, I believe that you will have divine encounters, divine connections, divine favor, divine opportunities that no man can shut. I'm telling you that your set time of favor is about to come and you're going to go to a whole new level of living. If you receive this, will you say amen? amen? Would you bow your head and close your eyes, please? Father, I thank you so much for our time together. Thank you for your words of life that go into each and every one of our hearts. And we will take time to honor your set time of favor. When you say now is the time, Lord, help us not to treat it with dishonor. Help us not to say, well, we'll get to it later when I'm not so busy in life. Lord, help us to recognize those windows of opportunity and to seize those moments. And we'll give you the honor. We'll give you the glory for it. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, have you made the decision to receive Jesus it's not too late. Today may be your opportunity where you can receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let me take it one step further. Maybe you've accepted Christ, but deep down in your heart, you're not where you could be or where you should be. And so today you're saying, Pastor, I really want to recommit my heart to the Lord. I want to get back on course with the Lord Jesus. Don't miss your window of opportunity because it's available right now. Sometimes when people say no to Jesus too long, their heart gets hardened. 
don't say no to Jesus. He can change you. You don't have to be completely clean. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to do any of that. You don't have to clean yourself up before you receive Jesus. He'll help you become who you are called and destined to be. Don't let anything hold you back from receiving Jesus. Don't let addictions, don't let drugs, alcoholism, don't let anything hold you back. He's not gonna turn you away when you come to him and say, Jesus, I need you. When you receive Jesus Christ into your life, he can set you free once and for all. Whether it's a first-time decision or you need to recommit your heart to the Lord Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium, those that are watching online today, if you need to receive Jesus or you need to recommit him, commit your heart to the Lord Jesus, would you be bold enough, brave enough, slip up your hand all over this auditorium right now just acknowledging, I want to receive Jesus Christ or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. It's not too late. I see your hands. You can put your hands down. Any others? Thank you so much. I see your hand. You can put it down. Anyone else? You're saying, Pastor, pray for me too. You can slip up your hand. You can put it right back down. Just a minute longer as anyone else. Okay, let's do this. Those that are joining us in line, would you pray this prayer in Romans 10, 13? It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you put a hand on your heart? Those that are joining us and praying with those that are making that decision today, let's call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ together today with them. Pray this out loud, please. Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Thank you so much.